0: Hello, this is Tom McSweeney and you're very welcome to Maritime Ireland. This is the Maritime Ireland radio show about Ireland's maritime culture, history, tradition and development. The sea around our coastline, our inland waters, our lakes and rivers are all part of Ireland's marine sphere. They are important socially and economically to this island nation. Ireland's connection with the sea is as old as time itself. So this programme and podcast, Maritime Ireland, brings together the Maritime Community, which everyone is welcome to join. On this edition, we'll take you to the depths of the North Atlantic Ocean, where the Titanic sank in the early morning hours of April 15, 1912, just four days into her maiden voyage from Southampton to New York. Through a leading Irish diver and explorer, who is even now diving down once again to the wreck. I'm looking forward very much to seeing
1: the state of how the old ship is at this stage of her decaying, life because the ship is dying it's it's dying the wreck site is dying more and more nature is taking it back to itself
0: rory golden will describe what it's like to descend into the void of darkness that encapsulates and blankets the deep ocean around titanic and reveal the marine life which in blindness survives down there as he goes down he remembers the passengers who died on titanic some he particularly thinks about.
1: The people who we don't really think about, the people who you don't hear much of. We hear about the the rich people on board, the Titanic who didn't survive or who did, but I'm going to be concentrating on those people who mean a lot more to people like us
0: in Ireland. Also in this edition, There is a notable increase in the number of leisure craft on the water and while that is welcome, it means the waters must be shared with more people and that needs care, consideration and safety. The Department of Transport has issued a warning notice and Cork County Council has warned of fines of up to 5,000 euros for breaking harbour speed limits. We'll discuss the issues with a harbour master. And we'll hear what the chief executive of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group saw through the portal of the group's flagship. Rory Golden is Managing Director of Flagship Scuba, a specialist company at Sandy Cove in County Dublin, in diving and marine equipment for commercial and recreational usage, which he founded in 1999. He's a member of the Explorers Club and the Royal Geographic Society, and was the first Irish diver to go down to the wreck of the Titanic. Rory has a lot of diving experience at the subsea depths, in submersibles, on various research explorations. He had key roles in the Titanic expedition of the years 2000 and 2006 and is now in Newfoundland making a third visit to the scene of the wreck site in an expedition which is testing a new type of submersible. In this interview, he describes in fascinating detail what it's like to be in a submersible descending into the cold depths of the North Atlantic. Dangerous, but amazing work. His involvement with the Titanic came through his membership of the Irish Underwater Council and meeting Titanic cameraman Ralph White, who was on the French-American expedition to find the wreck site in 1985.
1: Well, Tom, it's it's a matter of um, once again being in the right place at the right time. This is now going to be my third expedition to visit the site of the Titanic. Um, The last time was 16 years ago, can you believe? Uh, That time I went, I was part of a BBC Northern Ireland documentary where we made a program called A Journey to Remember in which we brought memorial plaques from Belfast to place on the wreck the previous time was in the, in the summer of 2000 when I was part of an official salvage and recovery expedition where we brought up nearly 800 artefacts from the, from the wreck. And that was a six-week expedition. And one of those items that was brought up was the main wheel from the, from the wheelhouse of the Titanic, which I actually spotted um, on my dive with my late, great Titanic explorer, Ralph White. So now, 16 years later, uh, and in between, I had an expedition to recover Apollo moon rocket engines uh, with Jeff Bezos, which, uh, which were done by robots. We didn't actually dive down. So now, um, fast forward to 2021, when a, a company called Ocean Gate Expeditions in Seattle have developed a new uh, submersible, uh, new technology, pioneering stuff. It's a, it's a deep water submersible. Uh, capable of taking five people to the deep ocean. Uh, In this case, this is 4,000 meters nearly. And it's made of carbon fiber layered up over many, many layers, uh, about three or four inches thick, I believe. And it's then capped with two titanium domes. And it will have the largest viewing port of any deep sea submersible. So it's quite a revolutionary step. And the company are bringing a combination of scientists, marine archaeologists, uh, biologists, me, uh, and people who are prepared to pay for this to take part in this expedition. And it's going to be spread over s- about six weeks. There'll be five, maybe six missions uh, at a time going in and out of St. John's and Newfoundland. And there will, there will be approximately five to six dives on each leg of the expedition, depending on weather conditions, depending on how the vehicle performs. And um, it's going to be quite... A change in the way things are done. It's going to, the, the wreck is going to be um, 3D mapped. There's going to be 4K imaging systems. There's going to be a laser mapping of the whole wreck site. And it's a complete survey that's going to be done, a very comprehensive survey of the whole wreck area to see the state of the wreck and also to see and examine the marine life that also has flourished down there. Because as we all know, wrecks become uh, an area of new life from a, from a, a, if you like, a death situation. So this will be quite comprehensive. The last time there was a comprehensive survey was done, I think in 2010, when uh, NOAA and Woods Hole combined to do a, a major survey back then. So that's where we're at right now. And my role on board is um, a combination of storytelling, um, bringing information that I have from previous expeditions and footage. And giving onboard presentations, um, both on the history of the wreck, the history of, this, of the ship, Harland and Wolf, and the various descendants of, of, of victims that I've met over the years, um, both in Ireland and in the UK. And I'll be telling their stories as well. People from the Belfast Titanic Society, people from the Addergo, uh, latter the 14 who left there, 11 who didn't come back home. Um, Margaret Rice from Athlone, her her sad story of her, her and her five boys who died, and many other people um, from around the country. I'll be telling their stories too. The people who we don't really think about, the people who you don't hear much of. Um, we hear about the, the rich people on board the Titanic who didn't survive or who did, but I'm going to be concentrating on those people who mean a lot more to people like us in Ireland.
0: And... Even though you've been there before, Rory, as you say, there must be a feeling of anticipation, incredible anticipation as you sink beneath the waves to go down yet one more time.
1: Um, When I first went in 2000, Tom, I wrote several articles. And in those articles, I said I had a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. I never thought I'd get that chance again. And five years later, that opportunity presented itself. And that was it, I thought. And now, once again, fate has turned its hand. And it's it's thanks to people like Ralph White who opened up connections to me. And life is all about connections and people who you know and people who you help on the way up as you're on, going on the way down. And, and life goes round in a circle. And it was through those connections, both from my other deep water expeditions, that this opportunity was given to me. So... As I say, it's a it's a pioneering project. This, this type of sub has never been used in this situation before, so it's exciting stuff. And Stockton Rush is the is the founder of the company, and he is a former former test pilot uh, in the American forces, and he he even built his own airplane. So he's a man who's developed this new technology, and technology is what drives humans, and we're going to be going to the deep ocean, and the deep oceans are where we need to spend more time on.
0: And in that deep ocean, you just conveyed to me in listening to you, Rory, an awesome sense of seeing history having been made and the remains of it still there when you descend. It's, it's, it's an awesome thing.
1: It is. I mean, it's, it's Titanic. It has been described as many things over the years by many people. And one must take people's feelings into account. The, the, the site will be treated with respect. Um, it's a memorial to a tragedy. I don't personally consider it to be a grave. Most people who died on on the Titanic disaster died on the surface from hypothermia. And very few, um, people have, have come back from that area, um, without a sense of of profound sadness in that respect. But no human remains have ever been seen down on the wreck site. And for myself, I will never forget the first time I saw the wreck or the second time. And I'm looking forward very much to seeing the state of how the old ship is at this stage of her decaying life, because the ship is dying. It's, It's dying. The wreck site is dying more and more. Nature is taking it back to itself but I believe that the the main feature of the of the ship that everybody associates with the bow, the famous bow of the ship that's ploughed into the seabed, uh, will be there for a very very long time. But it's a scientific project, and the information that will be gleaned from this I think would help scientists not just about the Titanic, but about the effects of deep water oceans, uh, the currents. You've got the Labrador Current and you have the Gulf Stream Current whizzing around down there. And I mean I've been on. In the in the Russian subs before, where we've had to get the hell out of the wreck area when a sudden current caught us, and the pilot Anatoly just suddenly uh, pumped air back into the tanks to get us away from the wreck because of the conditions down there. So it's not it's not a simple joyride. It's a very dangerous situation to be in. I mean, we're talking about two and a half miles deep, nearly four kilometers deep in the ocean. We're talking about 6,000 pounds of of pressure per square inch. And the reality is if anything was to go wrong down there, you wouldn't even know about it um, if there was a sudden failure. So it's not without its risks, just like anything uh, to do with this type of of exploration, but they're calculated risks. And, you know, these things are done experiments are always going on in our lives and you just keep pushing the envelope.
0: With those descriptions of the pressures and the descent and how far down, it is amazing to think that there's anything left after 119 years.
1: Well, the effect of pressure at that depth doesn't affect an inanimate object like like a shipwreck because the pressure is equal all around it. The pressure i 'm referring to is the outside pressure on a on a small um, compressed chamber that we will be in, and that pressure is trying to force its way inside that um, little capsule that you 're in they are the pressures that really affect people in submersibles. The pressure on the ship itself is 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 equal both inside and out, so there 's no constant pressure in that respect, but what is decaying the wreck is is the decaying of the ship, the tiny marine organisms that nobody knew about uh, that are eating away at the steel. And all these um, what looks like tears, rusty tears all around the wreck are actually known as rusticles. They are the byproducts of these little microorganisms that are eating away at the seal on the wreck. And these weren't known about until the Titanic was found. And the deep ocean continues to give up secrets, and we discover more and more things about it. That is what we are going to be looking at.
0: And as you say, then Rory, it's it's a voyage again, a voyage of discovery. And just on the last point, you mentioned uh, marine life. What is down there in those dank depths that that you've noted?
1: Well, bearing in mind that it's pitch black, and obviously the lights from the subs show show up things. So. Nothing down there can can see anything. All creatures are blind, but you do see small crabs. You do see, in particular, uh, rat tail fish, which, from my previous dives, would follow the subs around. And um, we reckon it was because the, the motor, the noise of the motors, would attract them, and the lights would obviously have some sort of effect on the water temperature, because it's practically zero outside. So any lights shining down there would create. Uh, a disturbance in the in the temperature of the water within the immediate area, so a combination of those attract life there 's lots of plant life um, growing on the ship as well little anemones and other um, biological names which i 'm not even going to attempt to uh, to try to to pronounce so it's it 's a marine biologist' um uh, heaven as well because of the unknown areas down there in terms of of growth um and there is life. There's all these. I mean, on the way down, you see all these luminescent creatures. Um, you might get lucky to see some things like that going, going down there. So the whole area is is a micro um, uh, micro ecosystem, and uh, that's another another area that people don't necessarily equate with the Titanic. I mean, we've plenty of wrecks around the Irish coast that we've been diving for years. I mean, me as a person, I've been diving for 45 years around Ireland. And there is huge life on on the amount of wrecks, and we have thousands of shipwrecks around the Irish coast, as you know, Tom. And they are they are all you know ecosystems in their own way, um, and they're just fascinating places to be. They they attract life to them in an area that was, if you like, a scene of death, or if not of humans, of, of the ships themselves. And even this, even at the moment, there are divers diving on the Lusitania there, down off. Of, the old head of Kinsale doing yet another survey on the wreck so you know let's keep exploring that's what life that's what our life should be about just keep exploring keep learning and never stop learning
0: Rory Golden diving to the Titanic for the third time and wonderful descriptions of the wreck site and the marine life way down there amid huge pressures, dangerous but breathtaking. And great advice with which he ended, Never stop learning. Since our last programme, when Jerry Deegan told us about his experience on Ireland's National Sail Training Vessel, and I recall that then Defence Minister Willie O'Dea of Foyle wouldn't use the compensation insurance money paid to the government To buy another tall ship, but on the advice of civil servants, gave the €3 million to the Army Equitation Horse Riding School and shut down the sail training programme. There have been emails and social media discussion, reflecting a strong feeling that the decision was wrong. The programme had taught hundreds of young people not just about sailing and the marine, but discipline, self-reliance and many other qualities that sail trading brought. Raising Asgard was discussed when it sank, but never seriously considered, and there would have been a lot of issues about that. But not using the compensation insurance to buy a replacement tall ship and shutting down the state sailing programme is seen by many people as a wrong decision for this island nation. Now to a vessel which has been maintained from her former owners into working on maritime research, the Celtic Mist, once the vessel of former Taoiseach and sailor Charlie Hohey and his family. Now the flagship of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, of which Dr Simon Barrow is the chief executive. She has resumed her research work after being painted at Hoth boatyard and is looking very well with a lovely blue hull.
2: Dr. Berrow was in his cabin aboard, when this happened. I heard a splash outside my porthole. It was three pairs of black guillemots courting, the female crouching low on the water, showing her red gape to her courtiers. So close, but oblivious of me. I was on Celtic Mist in Greystones Marina, another gift from the Irish Welland Dolphin Group flagship research vessel. Celtic Mist is well-known in Ireland, formerly owned by Charles Houghy, it was gifted to the Irish well and Dolphin Group ten years ago in twenty eleven. The boat was in poor repair, despite its lofty reputation, when we have put a lot of money and hundreds of hours of voluntary labour to bring it up to its current very high standard. She left Poth Boatyard this week after receiving fresh paint, varnish and anti fouling. We're on a shakedown survey of Little Turns off Kilcool for GMIT and the MPWS before Irish well and Dolphin Group members Summer cruises start at the end of June. We also had our first cetacean sighting from Celtic Mist this season. Three harbour porpoises, including a calf, off Bray Head, County Wicklow. Everybody knows how much work and expense maintaining any boat is, especially a 17-metre steel-hulled ketch built in 1974 in Custo in Brittany. Powered by a 350-horsepower Caterpillar engine, she is perfect for the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group to get members out to sea and experience our coastal waters, as well as carry out surveys for whales and dolphins. When we first got her, we struggled to maintain and run such a large vessel. But a chance meeting between the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group director, Fia Cabralicorn, and Seamus McGerald started a wonderful relationship between the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group and Glen Neuer which not only provides IWDG with skippers and mate to sail Celtic Mist, but an army of superbly gifted volunteers to carry out ongoing maintenance. After a year of being locked down in Grand Canal Basin, Celtic Mist has eight week-long cruises available to members, in addition to the three weeks on the Shannon Dolphin project, working between Kilrush in the Shannon Estuary and Feenit Brandon in North Kerry. She will survey inshore waters off Dublin Wicklow Wexford Waterford Cork Kerry and Clare this year providing fantastic experiences for Irish well and dolphin group members as well as contributing to our knowledge of whales and dolphins in Ireland this is Dr Simon Barrow of the Irish well and Dolphin Group should be
0: some nice voyages ahead for the members of the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group aboard Celtic Mist. A man who has plenty of money to spend on boats is getting one that's 417 feet long, that's 121 metres. It has three masts, several decks and even its own support yacht. He's the world's richest man. He can afford it. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos. He's been having it built by the Dutch company Ocean Co. And it's currently called Project Yacht 721. Wonder what the real name will be. Anglers are being asked by Inland Fisheries Ireland to report signs or catches of Pacific pink salmon in Irish rivers because they create a risk to Irish Atlantic salmon. Also known as humpback salmon, they were first seen in Irish waters in 2017 and are believed to have originated from stocking programmes in Russia. They've been found in the River Moy in Mayo this year. In sailing, just three Irish sailors will compete in the Olympics in Japan. Silver medalist from Rio, Annalisa Murphy of the National Yacht Club in Doulaire, will race in her third games in the women's laser class. Hoth Yacht Club and scary sailing club Olympic skiff duo, Robert Dixon and Sean Wadalove will compete in the men's 49er class. Now, it's good to see more maritime leisure usage of our waters. But while that is welcome, it means the waters must be shared by more people in more boats, and that needs care, consideration and safety. The Department of Transport has issued a code of practice for the safe operation of recreational craft, and Cork County Council has asked boat users to slow down in harbours around the coastline Widget controls, and that's after several incidents in Kinsale where 14 boats were found exceeding the 5 knot speed limit. The council has warned that fines of up to €5,000 can be imposed for breaking harbour regulations. Quentin Ryder is harbour master in Kinsale, where leisure is a big part of the maritime activity. And there are also fishing boat and cargo shipping operations. He's been leading the county council's campaign for more awareness of safety. I discussed with him the issues in Kinsale, as well as the national context reflected in the Department of Transport's Code of Practice.
3: The main concern is for, you know, the safety of navigation and the safety of port users, primarily. We're concerned with port safety. But as you rightly point out, it's a, it's a national concern. It's the entire coastline that's involved. Um, and as we come across seasonal issues every year coming into the summer months with an increased uh, waterborne activities, you know, jet ribs um, and people getting on the water in the summer months. Now, I, I think since since COVID kind of impacted people, you know, um, thankfully people had their boats to, uh, to be able to get out on the water, but it saw an increase in the number um, of leisure vessels, you know, active on the water in the last couple of years um, with COVID. Now this year, especially, we've seen an even further increase um, in the number of smaller vessels, you know, ribs and high-speed craft um, active on the water. So I suppose we, we tried to take a proactive approach this year in trying to inform the public. Um, you know, you know, that sort of started with ConSail, um, seeing a lot of activity early on, um, in sort of May and June. Um, so we, we kind of, we got on the water, you know, we published a marine notice, um, and we, we got out there, you know, to talk to people, to get them to slow down, um, you know, make sure that everyone's wearing life jackets, um, and adhering to the rules, you know, and, and, you know, when we say rules, we're talking about, you know, Maritime Safety Rules and, you know, specifically the the Maritime Safety Act. Um, so that that's really where it stems from.
0: And are people actually taking notice of what you say? Do they react to the advice you give them or do they resent it?
3: You've got two kind of, I, I should say, people who are breaking the speed limit. There's, there's two sorts of people, there's sorts that weren't aware of the speed limit. Um. In effect, or that you know that there was a speed limit within the harbor. Um, and then there's other people that are, are are aware, but are sort of saying, well, it's not really enforced so much, or it's maybe it's a soft rule and that they're able to break it. And of course, what we try and get out there to do is in, in the first case, is we, you know, we inform people so the people that didn't know, well, they're informed and therefore they know for the future. Um, and it's, it's generally welcomed. Um, and the same with the people. Um, you know, that we speak to, um, who, you know, might be resident, but locals and you know, are aware that there's a fee limit. You know, they, they tend to put their hands up and say, so, you know, sorry, I, I forgot, or, you know, they, they were caught. Um, so, it, in general, it's welcomed. I've, I've yet to come across anyone that sort of resents being stopped and told to slow down. Um, but, you know, uh, at the end of the day i think people um you know people see that it's for for the good of the maritime community and for, for for safety reasons
0: and there is a warning isn't there or rather i should say there is a marine notice out generally uh from the department as well from the department of transport which says much the same thing on a national scale the need for care on the water
3: absolutely i mean absolutely i mean and and am not sure you know, I mean, really, the, the fundamental here is that we're, we're all part of the maritime community. We don't want to see accidents on or near the water. It's a really busy year with a lot of extra craft on the water. So, you know, socially, you know, being, you know, actually, you know operating your craft responsibly is essential um, every year. But this year, especially because there's so many new people on the water, not necessarily as experienced. So, we, you know, we try to have to get the message out there through every channel that we can. Um, that people need to be cautious. They need to, you know, they need to navigate at a safe speed. Um, they need to take, you know, due regard for, you know, the presence, uh, you know, the the presence of other traffic, other vessels, um, you know, busy, narrow channels. Um, you know, if they're close to a, you know, a, a restricted area or a swim area or even in deep and close to, to any kind of swim area at all. Um, you know, everyone, everyone is in the water. Thank God it's starting to heat up. So we've just got a lot more users on the water and everybody just has to act responsibly. Um, so that, that's the, the key message.
0: Quentin Ryder, Harbour Master at Kinsale and County Cork and a safety message to note, which is also contained in the Department of Transport's Marine Notice No. 40 about the re-operation of recreational craft. Cork County Council has listed speed limits in all its harbours on its website, corkcoco.ie. In the ongoing concern about the future of the fishing industry and the low-catch quotas which are imposed on Irish boats by the EU and which favour the larger European fleets, Marine Minister Charlie McConnelogue has told the EU Fisheries Council at its June meeting that in the upcoming review of the Common Fisheries Policy, he will be making the renegotiation of quota shares Ireland's priority. Because Irish waters offer the best fishing in Europe – but Irish fishermen have the smallest quota of all fishing boats fishing in Irish waters. And so we end this edition of the Maritime Ireland Radio Show, which is broadcast on 18 community radio stations. CRY 104 FM Yole, West Cork FM, Bear Island Radio and UCC Radio in Cork. In Dublin on Near FM, Dublin City FM, Liffey Sound and Dublin South. In Galway on Connemara Community Radio and Convarra FM. On Don FM, Athlone Community Radio, Kilkenny City Radio, and in Mayo on Community Radio Castle Bar and RSFM Bell Monitor on Southwest Clare Radio, Radio Kokob on West Limerick 102 FM and Tip Midwest Radio in Tipperary. And with podcasts on Apple Podcasts, MixCloud, Spotify, and the Marinetimes.ie. Wherever you've been listening, thank you for being part of the Maritime Community. The program website with our maritime blog is at toweeneymarine.ie or look up maritime Ireland Radio show. Our email address is maritime Ireland Radio show at gmail.com. That's maritime Ireland Radio show at gmail.com. Your views on the Marine sphere are very welcome. Our phone and text number is 0872555197. That's 0872555197 sound supervision on the program by justin marr until our next program the usual wish of fair sailing